Welcome to Earth Matters, bringing you environment and social justice stories. Today's story was produced on the lands of the Ngunnawal and Ngambri, the Canberra region, and also the Yuan Nation around the south coast. For Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne, Nam, Wurundjeri country, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Beck Horridge. A hundred thousand tons of wood chips and the Eden Wood Chip Mill burned in January, and 80% of the New South Wales Southeast State Forests was incinerated. Today on Earth Matters, I talk with Harriet Swift, who tells us what's happening on the ground now, calling for an end to the chip mill and native forest logging. speaking with Harriet Swift. Where are you now, Harriet? I'm in the, uh, the bush near Bega on the, on the south coast. You have been a long-term campaigner against the chip mill in Eden. I have. I have. Not as long as some, but um, the chip mill has actually been there now for 15 years. So I, I definitely haven't been doing it all that time. <laughs> But it has been a very controversial thing right from the beginning. It's never been accepted by the wider community here, and it still isn't. I can remember uh, my father talking to the manager of the Eden Chip Mill back in the 70s when we, our family first came to Australia, and he was aghast at the thought of the chip mill. He wanted to see the stands of trees standing for a lot longer to become sawn timber. Yes, well, in fact, when it was first set up, a lot of the opposition to it was from the, the sawmills because they could see the, the logs all going to be to be wood chipped rather than um, made into higher value products. And it's, it's still the case actually. And they were right. You know, we have now compartments logged in this region that are 100% wood chips. Mm-hmm. Every single tree cut down is ends up at the, the wood chip mill. And yet uh, we don't hear much about that. We're usually led to believe that our forests end up as sawn timber for planks and furniture. That's right. And they say, oh, it only uses to waste wood. Well, 100% can't be waste, I think. It's, a, it's quite a concept that the entire forest could be waste. <laughs> So it's been a summer of fire, Harriet. What's been happening around Bega and around the chip mill? Oh, <laughs> it's, yes. Eighty uh, percent of the what they call the net harvestable area of, of the forest available for logging here was burnt. You know, it's been just disastrous. If there was one good thing that we've we've learned from it, it's how fire prone the logged forest becomes. You know, when it's logged and regrows, the industry says, oh, you know, it's the same as it always was. But it's not. You know, it changes the forest. It makes it denser, um, smaller trees, even-sized um, trees at the same height crowned, and it's just much more fire-prone. And we saw that time and time again as the, the forest, so the fires progressed through this region and you know if we can learn one thing it's it's, hopefully it's that that logging isn't going to make us a safer 
area. Logging isn't going to make us safer. It makes a it makes a forest that the that can that the air can get into, the oxygen can get into to feed a fire. Yes, and um, we saw, for example, the, the, what they call the border fire, which travelled from the Victorian border to Eden. The mm-hmm. single day that that burnt through some of the most intensively logged for decades because it's quite close to the chip mill. Mm-hmm. And I suppose it was sort of uh, almost poetic justice in a way that it ended up at the chip mill at the end of that day and burnt quite a bit of it. But, you know, it's, there are so many examples like that. It's almost impossible to deny now. But, of course, I mean, many are still... photo of the wood chip pile in Eden on fire taken from a frigate that had rescued people from Malakuta. That's right. It had actually been burning for, for a few days before those photos got out, but nobody could see it because of the smoke. Mm-hmm. It, the roads were all closed and you couldn't see across the twofold bay from Eden to, as far as the chip melon. There were sort of rumours going around that, it, that this was happening, but no-one actually knew for sure. And it was that those were the first photos that showed that it was real, it was actually happening. What's happening on the ground now? Are they going to try and get the chip mill going? Have they resumed logging? What's happening? They certainly talk as if they intend to do that. And I, I think there is some sort of definite plans to rebuild. But, but nevertheless, logging has resumed. Just this week, we've had two compartments that the logging operations begin on, on the south coast. There's one at Mogo and the other one at South Broomin, which is just north of Batemans Bay. And those are in forests that were burnt. The rules for doing that, they're specially adapted rules for logging burnt forests. They're actually worse than the, the normal rules in some ways because they're getting the same amount of wood, same, the same quantity of logs from a smaller area. So it's more intensive than the, the normal logging. Does it clear up all the debris and leave a clear floor or forest floor? Uh, well, they're doing that anyway. It's a separate sort of operation. There's, there's a lot of, well, I don't want to call it logging because it's not really logging. It's, it's felling trees and kind of overzealous tidying up along roadside, even in national parks. It's, it's still happening. It's been happening quite a bit. Is this in New South Wales? Yes. I thought the New South Wales government had banned sal- salvage logging after the fires. Uh, well, they don't call it that. <laughs> oh. But there are... We, we hear stories of uh, log trucks with burnt loads heading to uh, places that don't normally have... Um, logs going to them, like there's no sawmill or no chip mill there. And I, my suspicion is that they're probably going to be 
I've used for firewood sooner or later. A lot of the, the contractors who are doing this cleaning up, I think, have rights over the timber that they're, they're getting. Well, I actually did see a truckload of chopped, burnt logs going through Queanbeyan on the way oh, to really? Canberra. Yeah. Uh, that's not surprising. Mm. They weren't big. They weren't chopped small. They were chopped big rounds. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They, I think they'll, they'll end up chopped up a bit smaller by the time they reach mm. the market. I went to listen to Professor David Lindemeyer's Krebs lection at the University of Canberra and, you know, he was saying that if you clear up a burnt forest like that, take the fallen logs, fell other dangerous trees, that it really retards the recovery of the ecology by even up to 150 years. That's right. And it makes it so much harder for any surviving animals too. They need that shelter. And and the the change in the way the forest regrows is 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 going to be really bad for any surviving wildlife too. So um, it's a really serious thing. Is there any process happening to review the damage to the forest and the ecology, the animals and plants, and then redraw our plans for forest harvest and other activities accordingly? Is there any plans? Um, there are various agencies that are doing that. And in fact, the Federal Threatened Species Commissioner has, has produced quite a good uh, um, assessment of, of what needs to be done, what, what the damage is and what needs to be done from here. But it seems to be getting universally ignored. It doesn't mm-hmm. have any legal clout. And she has actually said... There should be no logging in unburnt areas adjacent to burnt forests. And that would rule out any logging in the remaining 20% of, of uh, state forests that, that weren't burnt. Song of the Restless Flycatcher from Morning in the Australian Bush. You're with Earth Matters, broadcast across stolen lands through the Community Radio Network. I'm Beck Horridge. We're talking to Harriet Swift from the Beaker area on the southeast coast of Australia, who questions claims that there is a lot of jobs in logging forests and asks us to use plantation timber rather than native forest timber. I was very disappointed to hear Anthony Albanese, the the leader of the opposition, saying that he wanted to retain not only coal mining but forestry logging as a regional employment generator. Any comments about that? I, I suspect he has just no idea of how few jobs there are and how rapidly de- uh, decreasing those jobs are. It's one of the most... Uh, capital-intensive and highly mechanised industry jobs are less than 1% of the total workforce. It's tiny and it's getting smaller. There's not a single job in the logging industry that can't now be done by a robot or a big machine. They aren't already all done by robots, obviously, but 
you know, it, it could easily be heading that way. There's there are countries where, in, in some New Zealand logging operations, it's quite common to have robots doing certain tasks. Extraordinary. It, what it seems extraordinary also that there isn't a transition organised. I've heard that in other countries that's happened. Do you know anything about what's happened overseas with transitioning out of forestry? Well, New Zealand, again, is a good example. Where they stopped logging native forests, oh, it'd be almost a decade ago now, and the sky did not fall in. They transitioned to, to plantations. It was a, a simple decision by the government that we've got to do this, and the industry accepted it. And they've never looked back. Another country that's done something similar is Chile. You know, and there's still big movers in the wood product industry, but they don't do the native forest logging. And of course, we've still got acres of plantation timber, and plantation timbers can meet all our domestic needs building houses and things like that. Yes, it's the preferred timber by, by most builders. We have to acknowledge that some of the plantations were burnt, but not nearly as much as, as the native forest area burned. Mm-hmm. Can consumers help at this point by steering away from Australian native timbers? It's, it's worth doing. It depends where you are. The, the industry in Victoria, that you'll see a lot more native timber used in... Um, you know, building and construction and that sort of thing. Northern New South Wales, the same. In in this region, probably not so much. And especially because a tiny proportion of what's produced here actually ends up in that role. Most, of it, most of it goes to wood chips, eh? Absolutely. Probably less than 2% of, of the trees logged would end up as thorn timber in, in construction and that sort of thing. About 90% in the Eden region is, ends up with wood chips. And then what happens to the wood chips? They're, they're all exported. At the moment, well, obviously there aren't any being exported but because there's no punching chip mill, but until the end of last year, most of them were going to China. And that's another question because the Chinese market has a huge question mark over it at the moment for a number of reasons, but the coronavirus is a big one at the moment. It's caused a lot of industry that would normally use those wood chips to, well, slow down, if not stop altogether. Yeah. Um, There's a review coming up of what's known as the EPBC Act, protecting biodiversity in this country. There's a call for, for submissions that has now been put to April the 17th. Could that review have a positive or even a negative influence on what happens for the plants and animals in the forest? It could, actually. The, the EPBC Act doesn't apply in forests that are logged under regional forest agreements. Oh. That, that's by agreement between the two governments, the state and the, and the federal. Mm. But it could. Now, the law on it is actually quite vague about how this exemption is supposed to apply and why it applies. And if a recommendation were made to um, apply the EPB Act to RFA areas, it would be really good. It, it could make the logging a lot more sensitive and accountable. There are campaigns up and running now that people can join online? 
Um, there are a few petitions circulating. There's been a, a lot of interest since the fires. People realise that this is really crunch time. It's probably now or never for a lot of these fires. Now or never? Well, you know, the, the burnt one, it's, it's quite serious. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of support from groups in Sydney, the Nature Conservation Council has been taking up the, the forest campaign. Mm-hmm. Also in Melbourne, there's a lot of uh, city-based groups have supported it. Mm-hmm. And Melbourne, of course, has native forest logging happening quite close to the city there. So, so people are able to actually take a more direct role in things like blockades. That's right, they're blockading at Tulangi yep. again. Yep, and they've been mm-hmm. very effective. They're doing, doing a very good work there. <laughs> hmm. But you can, you can track down groups like the Southeast Region Conservation Council mm-hmm. online. We're always keen to hear from people who want to get involved. Is there any signs of recovery in the forest? Is there anything that can cheer us up? Oh, there are, actually. The, the first thing to come back, we've noticed the, the ferns, and especially the big tree ferns. It's amazing how tough they are. They look so fragile and beautiful, but they're actually really tough. And even in forests that have been very badly burnt, it's green there now. It's, it's wonderful to see. Yeah, I could see them coming up on the Clyde Mountain, on, oh, the, King, yeah. on the King's Highway there, yeah. and I noticed that yeah. the burn, it's very hot in some places, but it's patchy. There are gullies and whole mountainsides that didn't burn or didn't burn so hot. Yeah. Mm. They, they seem to have survived somehow. Really, really good to see. moves to start monitoring what creatures may have survived? I guess is there any cameras on feeding points? There have been actually the National Parks have been doing this. There have been some volunteer groups doing quite a bit too. Mm-hmm. We had a, had one going down here for a while of drinking stations in um, koala habitat mm-hmm. no, koala habitat areas with cameras set up. And did you see some koalas? Um, yes. Well, I didn't. I live in the hope of seeing one, but um, there has been uh, a mother and baby spotted. It's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Harriet, what do you think should be the the broad future for this, these forests, you know, all the way from Kalang where there are people trying to stop forestry logging the headwaters of their rivers out west of Belgian there? Right all the way down to Victoria, there are people who have been protesting. These protests have been going on for 30 years now. Surveys show that the Australian public doesn't really need logging. 
what do you think well, the future could be for these these areas? I, I think the time has come to just acknowledge that we can't go back to business as usual, especially after the fires. You know, it's just not possible for, for, for someone to wave a magic wand and say, you know, we can turn the clock back and uh, there it is, a magic pudding with unlimited wood in it. It's not. You know, we've, we've just got to recognise reality. And if we value our um, wildlife at all, we've got to give them a future and it's the only way to do it. Of course, climate comes into this, doesn't it? Because forests do hold carbon in the soil and in the trunks, twigs, roots, leaves. They certainly do. But of course, the way our carbon accounting is structured at the moment, the logging emissions aren't really counted anyway. So there's, there's no great sort of national benefit in that regard. If we were to stop, isn't that a bit dishonest? Not counting the emissions? No, well, it is actually. But the the, the international rules are, are pretty well written by loggers for loggers. Mm. The, the the basic principle is that if there's no land use change, it doesn't count. But it takes hundreds of years for the forests to grow back, or at least many decades. Ah, uh, but it's still a forest, even if there's not a single tree there that the government can say, yes, it's still a forest, is not it? You know, it will be in the next few years, which is you know, clearly ridiculous, but that's how it works. Especially when we need to cut uh, CO2 emissions now. Well, yeah. So logging a forest releases CO2? Of course it does, Yeah. And the old um, native forests release the most when they are logged. And it's, obviously it's not just the, the trees, it's the soil as well. So even if the trees do eventually grow back after maybe hundreds of years, there's, there's still been a loss. It's just not justifiable in carbon terms, biodiversity terms. The native forest logging industry in Australia says forestry is renewable and carbon neutral because the trees grow back. And yet there's this big time lag. It takes a long time for the trees to grow back. Oh, it's worse than that. What they say is it's actually carbon positive. They say because all this timber is used in durable timber products, we're having it both ways. We're having stored carbon in the in the pianos and the chairs and the regrowing trees. But of course, that doesn't take account of the fact that ninety percent of its wood chips turned into paper, which becomes carbon dioxide within about three years. Well, how can they get away with that? A high school student could work out that the maths in that isn't quite right. Uh, I've given up trying to work out how they get away with this. <laughs> well, one of the first things I I learnt when I became a forest campaigner was don't expect it to make sense. It just doesn't. You keep seeing this push to put more timber into small skyscrapers like eight-storey buildings with loads of timber. Is that a good move in the right direction? Well, it really depends entirely on where the timber comes from. You know, if it's a native forest, it, it isn't. Mm-hmm. So if it's plantation or laminated plantation? It could be, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah it just makes all the difference where, where the timber comes from. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for talking with us to Earth Matters. We'll be keeping a close eye to see what happens on those forests and um, 
standing with you and the, the animals and plants. I understand you have a python living in your house, Harriet. Oh, we do, although she's out in the garden at the moment. <laughs> do you want to just say something about her? How, how does this work out to live with a python? Um... Well, she just turned up one day, and she, this was about six years ago, and she's been with us on and off ever since. She's a wild snake, mm-hmm. but she comes and goes, and uh, she's usually not far away. How big is she? Uh, 3.1 metres. <gasps> Where does she come in the house? Oh, she's got her ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's uh, very uh, enterprising, but she's doing a really good job at the moment. Guarding the tomato crop against bush rats. How useful. Yeah. Yeah, she's a beautiful snake. I need one of those for my zucchinis. Yeah, you do. The python is actually one of the species that's been really badly hit in the bushfires. Really? Yeah. In, uh, in Victoria, which is about the limit of its range, they're worried about becoming regionally extinct. Oh, Really? Yeah, so I was very pleased that she was she was okay through the fires. She was not actually here when the fires were close by, so I was very worried. But she's she's good now. Back. She's good now. Well, we wish you all the best. Thank you so much for talking with Earth Matters. No worries. Thanks, Jack. Harriet Swift from the Bega region, who's been campaigning for decades to close the wood chip mill and end native forest logging. If you go to the homepage for this edition of Earth Matters, you'll find links to petitions and campaigns. Thanks for listening. I'm Beck Horridge. You've been listening to Earth Matters. This edition of Earth Matters was produced for Radio 3CR in Melbourne on Wiradjuri country and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Federation for their generous financial support. And if you'd like to get in touch with Earth Matters team, you can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook page on Earth Matters 3CR Radio or follow us on Twitter at EarthMRadio. If you'd like to listen to or share editions of Earth Matters, you can find this and all the Earth Matters podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. The Earth Matters team will be back next week with more environmental and social justice stories from all over this beautiful blue planet. I'm Beck Horridge. And now, Paradise on Fire, Song for Australia by Sebastian Ducot. <laughs>